Blog Talk Radio. My name is Tom Mark Wassell, Presidente. Man, what a way to start the morning with one technical issue after another. But I tell you what, that's the beauty of uh, live radio and Skype and all of that stuff. So we'll just kind of jump right on into it because we kind of missed out on our first half hour or so because of our technical difficulties. Uh, but uh, we're on and we're ready to go. So uh, I think we have uh, Steve uh, from uh, Steve Wilson, uh, editor and publisher of Speedway Digest. Good morning to you, sir. 
Hey, how's it going this morning? It's going good. We're having some technical issues and, uh, you know, feedback, all that good stuff. So if if my answers are whatever in our delay, for some reason we are in the world of delay. Uh, so talk with us a little bit about what's going on in the world of NASCAR. Well, it seems like everybody's mad at one another in the world of NASCAR. Um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know how much you were following along yesterday, but it seems like, you know, Brad Keselowski is, is mad at, at NASCAR and, and mad at the fact that, uh, you know, Toyotas have this insatiable uh, advantage over uh, everybody else at this point. He, he took to Twitter and social media yesterday to basically uh, blast uh, everybody, including Toyota, saying that um, you know there there needs to be a more level playing field. That you know no nobody has seen these types of advantages since the 1970s, and that somebody needs to do something about it. Well, that sparked a reaction from the entire Toyota camp, including um, you know Toyota's own people. Uh, Kyle Busch, um, you know, got in onto even telling um, Brad Keselowski to shut the, you know what, up. And also, uh, you know, Cole Pern basically telling him that he was a crybaby, you know, quote unquote. You know, they, they, you know, this this divulged down very, very quickly on social media yesterday. He then um, backed these comments up after qualifying yesterday. It's saying the exact same things in the media center. It's uh, saying that you know NASCAR needs to go and start looking at these things. He doesn't think that anything's going to happen in the chase through the next ten races or anything like that. But he he was warning the Toyota camp that he says that rule changes are coming. He sits on the driver's council, and he's very influential in that aspect. And uh, if he's warning Toyota that uh, rule changes are coming, um, I would suspect that maybe some rule changes will be coming for um, next year in 2018, particularly in the aspect of Toyota somehow. Uh, you know, he was very influential in the fact of getting the stage-based racing uh, involved or started in, you know, uh, all three series this year. Um, he's been uh, very influential in some of the other uh, role changes that have come about in his position on the driver's council. So uh, he uh, he seems to think or he seems to feel that, you know, there will be some kind of role changes, especially in the aspect of Toyota. Toyota yesterday, one, two, three, four in practice yesterday. Kyle Busch on the pole for Tales of the Turtle tomorrow afternoon at Chicago Land Speedway. So, uh, I mean, obviously, you take a look at what Toyota has done this year. They were not especially very fast at the beginning of the year. It was the four camp, it was Penske, it was um, and had been, you know, their affiliate, uh, Wood Brothers Racing. And Blaney is still particularly strong on many accounts. But it seems like, you know, Toyota has picked it up. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. has won the most, uh, you know, stages this year. You know, Kyle Busch is right there fairly high up in the next number of stages that have been won this year. Uh, both of them winning a fair amount of points. Uh, obviously, Truex winning the, um, the regular season championship. He's got 53 
points that he's going to carry all the way into Homestead this year um, for for the playoffs. So, I mean, um, it, does he have some credence? I don't know. But, you know, you look over history in general and uh, you see dominance. You've seen, you've seen Hendrick do the same thing. You've seen Roush do the same thing. You've seen Petties do the same thing. Um, you've seen every team that have come along, you know, at some point or some manufacturer at the point in history of NASCAR have been very, very dominant. And, uh, but yesterday he, uh, threw the social media sphere really into a cycle and, um, you know, Toyota really got on him about it. We're talking, with, we're talking with Steve uh, Wilson of Speedway Digest. Appreciate you taking some time to, to join us uh, today. Again, I, I, all I can do is apologize. I've got some freaking gerbils inside my uh, uh, system today. I'm trying to track them down and kill them. But uh, in the meantime, we may have some delay. We may have some audio issues on, on my part. And we're going to be trying to, because we did have some technical issues at the beginning of the show, we're going to try to combine uh, our IndyCar and, re- and, and uh, NASCAR segments. Also joining us, though, is Tyson Law. Hello, Tyson. Can you hear us? Oh, yes, I can. Sorry, I had a bit of an issue on uh, there on my end. <laughs> oh, it's no problem. We're having technical issues on our end today, so I thought maybe, well, heck, uh, what's what's one more thing? And so, uh, Tyson, I, I know uh, Steve was just talking a little bit about some of the changes that are be coming down with the rules and stuff with NASCAR, but I do want to kind of combine IndyCar and NASCAR with the both of you guys. Uh, Tyson from OnPitRoad.com, Steve Wilson, uh, editor and publisher and our official NASCAR contributor uh, with us as well. had about 20 to 25 minutes of uh, technical difficulties that we're still actually uh, trying to resolve. But, hey, the show must uh, go on, so uh, we we just keep moving forward. But, uh, Tyson, let's talk a little bit about IndyCar. Looks like it's Scott Dixon's championship to lose. I don't know. I mean, I feel like you you got Dixon and and Sonoma is a great track for him, but Joseph Newgarden so far this weekend has been very fast in uh, practice. Um, I feel like if right now Newgarden could be uh, in championship position um, just based on what I've seen so far in practice. But, I mean, anything can happen in the in, in the race itself. And I think, you know, Dixon and practice, you don't really need to worry about that. Uh, he's going to find himself up front. With the, the fact that this was a double points event, and anything can happen. You just need one position, one or two positions to swing. And with Dixon being only three points out, he could be right back in it. So this is going to be a really fun title fight. You know, you got five drivers who are uh, mathematically eligible for the fight, but I think it's going to come down to both Joseph Newgarden and Scott Dixon, and it should be fun to watch for a lot of the fans. Well, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm excited to see the uh, – we're still – there's nothing worse than radio, and, it, and it, I know a lot of you guys are in digital and, and whatever, but there is nothing worse than radio and just uh, having an echo or feedback in your ears. 
and uh, it it just is 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 crazy. So uh, ab- absolutely, I totally agree with you. And I, I apologize if we have a de- little delay between my ears and my mouth. So it, it is <laughs> it is what it is. We're trying to get it get it resolved. Uh, Steve uh, of uh, on paper, I mean of Speedway Digest. Steve, uh, talk with us a little bit about your thoughts of IndyCar Champion and Championship Weekend in Simona. Well, I mean, I really haven't been following very much, so I mean, I can't really give you too much about what's going on out there. Um, I've, I've, so, don't ask me too much about what's going on out that way. Um, I, I've been following along just a little bit into the fact that you know Penske is, you know, talking about that. You know, they're they're, they're looking at going over to IMSA and building a team over in that aspect, which you know, you know, Penske is always looking for the next new thing out there. Uh, you know they've they've been integrated into so many different aspects of motorsports over over the years, and you know for them to you know add another uh, you know team somewhere else, and um, I, I think they're looking at um, you know moving into EMSA for for and building a team over there, which is very highly competitive in the first aspect. Um, you know just shows that you know for you know them as a company. Um, I, I, I think they need to start working on some of their other programs because, you know, right now they're, they're not in, at the top of their game in that, and, and their NASCAR Cup Series. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think they need to be looking elsewhere before building new teams, especially in MSO. So, I mean, that, 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 that's where I'm going to take away on, you know, Sonoma this weekend because – uh, I hear that maybe one of their, their drivers is going to actually move away from um, the IndyCar, you know, uh, you know, seat over into the AMSA seat. Well, let's uh, let's get on over to Chicagoland Speedway. Great track. It looks like they've had some good weather. We'll start with you, Tyson. We had the Camping World Truck Series last night out there. I had a chance to listen to a little bit of it on MRN. Uh, talk with us a little bit about last night's truck race. Last night's race was a, a pretty exciting one. Uh, we saw Johnny Sauter get the win. I believe it was only his second win of the season, but last night's race uh, set the field for uh, the Truck Series playoffs this weekend, um, which will come up through you know the next 10 weeks. Um, but Sauter now puts himself in good position for the playoffs, not quite as good as Christopher Bell is. He's uh, accumulating quite a few playoff points, and, and he now leads uh, everybody by about 15 points over Sauter. Um, but we saw a, a great battle between uh, Ryan Truex and Ben Rhodes all night to get that last playoff spot. Ultimately, Truex, who who won a stage and would have gotten himself a playoff point and finished in fourth ahead of Ben Rhodes, who finished sixth, Rhodes was able to get in the playoffs on the last spot by a tiebreaker. So the two uh, tied in the points, and it came down to who had the better finish. Ben Rhodes finished second at uh, a race earlier this season, and that got himself in the playoffs. So I think a lot of people still not quite on board with the playoffs, even though we've been doing this in the Cup Series for, what, 13 years and and now in the Truck Series and Xfinity for two years. A lot of people still not on board with it, but it makes for exciting racing. And you wouldn't see a, a race at Chicagoland Speedway six or seven races out to the end of the season in the truck series be so exciting without these uh, this playoff format. So I'd say good on NASCAR for finally doing this after so many years, uh, implementing it down in the truck series and Xfinity series. 
because now we've actually got a lot more excitement uh, leading up to the final seven races. Steve, uh, we're talking with Tyson from OnPitRoad.com and Steve Wilson of uh, uh, Speedway Digest. Steve, uh, you know, uh, I know you were uh, on top of that race last night, and I tell you what, I think for the first time, as Tyson says, we've had the, the playoff point system going on now for a while. I think it is time that people have gotten used to it. But I think it is really kind of cool that we're treating the truck series on an equal playing ground, which oftentimes was not the case with Xfinity in the Monster Energy NASCAR car, car Series. Yeah, I mean, when you, when you take a look at the truck series as a whole, I mean, they've struggled for so long in the aspect of that, you know, you, you've only got about, you know, before we really implemented this, either to chase or the stage-based racing in general, we only had, you know, you know, 12 to 15 trucks showing up on a, on a weekly basis that were, you know, competing all season long. You know, that's since been expanded that, you know, we're we're seeing more trucks, more teams competing on a weekly basis. Now, you know, I know this year, you know, we've heard, you know, that, uh, you know, Brad Keselowski Racing, they've shut down. Red Horse Racing, they've shut down. You know, there's some financial issues that in the truck series that really needs to be addressed and needs to be addressed overall. Um, you know, and this is this is there's some long-standing issues that you know are not going to be addressed overnight, and we're not going to we we just don't have time to address them today. But you know, just on just the points and the playoff standings, and you know the way that this works alone, this started to increase the number of trucks and the number of teams that have started coming out because it really gave them more of a chance. And we saw that really in year one. And last year, we almost doubled the number of trucks that were showing up on a weekly basis and competing on a weekly basis versus the year before. And I took a look at this, and like I said, we were only seeing about 12, 15, 16, something trucks like that. And we went from those 12, 16, you know, 12 or so trucks to over 20 trucks uh, coming out to the track every single week. You know, there was the one-off trucks, you know, like out in Las Vegas and stuff like that. Obviously that we were seeing that, but, you know, in many of these companion events, we were seeing as many as 20 trucks plus every single week coming out to these races. So we were seeing nearly double the amount of trucks coming back every week. And this was for the fact that, you know, and a lot of these events, and even some of these events, like when they go to Gateway and places like that, where, or even Iowa, where, you know, you typically don't get the Kyle Bushes and the other drivers, it gives them an opportunity to get into these playoffs without having to go out there and tear their equipment up and, um, you know, have to run as hard as they would normally have to. So, I mean, it's just really just a testament to the fact that, it does work into some degree, and this and just these trucks that are showing up has already just proven that fact already. All right, let's move on over to the Xfinity Series. Uh, Tyson, uh, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts on this week's Xfinity Series at Chicagoland Speedway? Well, as we've uh, kind of moved into the playoff um, series, in the playoffs in the uh, Cup Series. Xfinity, they'll be setting their playoff field this weekend as well. And it should be, I think, uh, again, you know, we talk about drivers like Kyle Busch, Brad Kuklowski, um, Denny Hamlin, these guys coming over and running the Xfinity races, and fans don't like that. Well, this weekend you get a little break, and you'll get that break for the rest of the season. 
is Kyle Busch, Brad, uh, and, and Denny. They're all done racing Cup or Xfinity this year. Um, they're going to focus on the Cup playoffs, and, and once the Xfinity playoffs begin, Cup drivers with more than uh, five years' experience can't compete in the Xfinity Series playoffs. So this weekend, um, we have fewer Cup drivers. We still have Eric Jones, Ryan Blaney, Kyle Larson, uh, Suarez, those guys uh, running down there. But I think it, it'll give those Xfinity guys who are looking for playoff points this weekend or, you know, still maybe need a win uh, to get in the playoffs or secure their spot, it's going to give them a chance to do that this weekend. So uh, it should be a fun race for the fans, I think, and I think it'll be a good opportunity for guys that desperately need those playoff points because maybe they're in a position right now where if the playoffs start today, which they will at the end of today's race, the playoffs will be on, um, that they'll see themselves maybe seventh, eighth in points, and maybe they want to get a few more playoff points and, and boost their, their position in the standings. So you got guys like Brennan Poole who have been running really well as of late, um, that maybe he could break into victory lane for the first time today now that there are less cup guys in the field. And by breaking into victory lane, he's going to get, you know, five more playoff points. Maybe he wins a stage, and it's really going to secure their spot in the playoffs moving forward. So I think this will be a, a more exciting race for the fans, and it's going to be a more opportune time for, for these drivers to get stuff done when they maybe find that they can't do that as much on a weekend where Kyle Busch is in the field. We're talking with Tyson and Steve Wilson, uh, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest and Tyson of OnPitRoad.com. I know we kind of have a, a shrunken uh, racing segment this week, uh, although next week we'll be uh, done with IndyCar, so we'll be uh, totally dedicated to uh, uh, NASCAR. But let's jump into the Monster Energy uh, Series, and certainly we want to get your thoughts on the Xfinity race, uh, Steve. So uh, what we'll do here, Steve, if you could give us your thoughts on, on the Xfinity race up at Chicagoland, and then we'll move on into the uh, Monster Energy NASCAR series. Yeah, well, today it's just cut off race being there at Chicago. I, you know, I've, I've never really found it to be exceptionally exciting out there. I, I don't feel that it's going to be exciting because, you know, uh, the Xfinity series right now, there, there's a lot of positions left wide open. We're, we're not, in a in a position where the like the truck series last night where we had a few people sitting within a couple a couple of points of one another, you know the Xfinity series this year has been dominated by a lot of those Cup Series drivers, so it leaves a lot of positions open for a lot of people to point them their way in. Um, I, I just I just think that you know they and NASCAR has already addressed this for next year. They cut down. Even more, the number of the the number of uh, times that Cup Series drivers can come in, they can race in not only Xfinity Series but in the uh, Truck Series uh, starting in 2018. Um, so I, I think we're going to see less and less of you know the the number of times that you know Cup Series drivers are going to be out there winning in these two series, and we're going to get back more to what we're seeing or what we saw. Uh, this year in the in the Camping World Truck Series, where there's going to be those positions at the bottom of you know two three you know positions of really just you know hairline you know one position here one position there you're in you're out and um, 
you know, we're just not seeing that right now in the Xfinity Series because there just are so many Cup Series drivers coming down. They're using it for the seat time. They're using it for, you know, the practice, actual practice time, et cetera, you know, for race weekend. Um, but, you know, with the, with the advent of them cutting more and more, you know, of that time out starting in 2018, I think that, you know, that will take care of some of the issues. I think that we'll see a better playoff system in 2018 for the Xfinity Series. And, uh, you know, hopefully when we get back to Chicago in 2018, we'll, we'll be having a totally different conversation than we are right now because I thought what we get, had last night in the truck series, I thought that was exactly what we need to have and what we're looking to have. Um, and that, that's, you know, what what this system was designed around to have. But, you know, in the Xfinity Series right now, um, it's not um, what we need to have. And I know we could do this, you know, a dozen different times and have a dozen different results. But, um, you know, until we get to find the perfect balance on the number of times that, you know, these drivers can come down and, you know, fill a third or more of the field, um, you know, we're just going to continue to have, you know, where, you know, half the, half the points are, you know, or, you know, half the field for the, the, the playoffs are going to be filled by, you know, a massive gap of points where um, there's really not anybody battling for it. It's just, you know, they're going to be able to go out there and ride around to some degree. Well, I want to get to some exciting new – did I just use the word exciting? I shouldn't have used the word exciting. I should use some uh, depressing news. No, we had some news come out this week in NASCAR. Obviously, Danica will not be returning to Stuart Haas. In all likelihood, she won't be returning to NASCAR or racing. She's going to be going on to some other ventures. You know, we joke around. We, we like to give her a hard time. But at the same time, at the same time, I think – that in, in Tyson, I want to go to your tweet. There are so many reasons why um, that Danica should not be in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Uh, so I'll let you kind of expand on that thought pattern. But I think it was, uh, I think, and I apologize if I'm getting the person wrong, but I think it was Rusty Wallace that tweeted out that Danica Patrick should be in the Hall of Fame. I saw your retweet and comment on it. I liked it a lot. So talk with us a little bit about your thought patterns on Danica, and we'll get yours in a moment, Steve, but go right ahead. Tyson. Mm-hmm. It was um, it was Kenny Wallace, actually, who, who tweeted that out. But um, I knew it was one of the guys. Yeah, you got, you got the right family. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, Danica has done great things for the sport, and you can't deny that. And she if she doesn't come back next year, it's it's honestly point blank. It's going to suck. We uh, we need someone like Danica in the sport, not just because she's a woman, but because she brings in a lot of fans. And, you know, when you see her on, on a week-by-week basis, you know, maybe she isn't being given the respect in the garage that she deserves. I think we see the way that other drivers race her. For example, Austin Dillon last week at, at Richmond just took her out, basically, it seemed like, for no reason. Um I think if she doesn't come back next year, we're going to miss her a lot in the sport. But I don't believe, you know, based on what I've seen in the past five or six years, that she deserves a spot in the the Hall of Fame someday. And that's only because she wasn't the first woman to do this. I think people like Penny Wallace, you know, for example, you know, the way that they talk, it's as if she was the first woman to ever break into NASCAR and, and make it. That's simply not the case. We've seen women from Sarah Christian way back in 1949 to Janet Guthrie, who, you know, they had to endure a lot of challenges that, you know, Danica has endured challenges. But being the first few women in the sport, 
they had to endure a lot more and, and with a lot lesser of equipment. Uh, Janet Guthrie in particular was the, the first woman to ever do the Indianapolis 500 and the Daytona 500. I think when you look at, at people like them, if I'm going to put someone in the Hall of Fame based on maybe not necessarily driving performance, but on what they did off the track, that's who I would put in before Danica Patrick. Okay, Tyson, can you, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Okay, I think we're getting these uh, uh, little gremlins uh, finally uh, figured out. Uh, Steve, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I got you now. All right, roger that. Whoo, boy. You know, you cut out right at, there at the very end of what you were what you were saying there, uh, Tyson. And I apologize if I if I missed uh, anything. So for that, I do apologize. But uh, Steve, go ahead. What are you, what are your thoughts on Danica? Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to back up some of the stuff that he was saying. That you know, he he's right. Um, she, I mean. I, I'm I'm just not sure, you know, if she's she's crossed any barriers or you know done anything of substance at this point that that some others of you know trailblazers haven't done. You know, as as he said, Sarah Christensen in 1949. I mean, obviously she was the trailblazer. That you know, at this point, she still has yet to be put on the ballot um, and, and brought to a vote at the Hall of Fame. I mean, you've you've got others, so the Ethel Mosley, Mosby, uh, and Louise Smith. I mean, uh, Janet Guthrie, and not only that, but she also competed in the World 600 at Charlotte and finished ahead of you know. Um, and, and yeah, I had to go look this up because you know I, I knew that she competed in the World 600, but I I had to actually find out where she finished at. She actually finished in 15th ahead of Dale Earnhardt in the World 600. Um, so I mean, there, there's so many other drivers out there that um, have competed in, and broke barriers in, in NASCAR and, and did so many different things um, that I, I, I think they need to start putting these drivers on the ballot uh, and putting them up for a vote prior to even making the consideration for Danica Patrick at this point because, you know, I, 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 yeah, sure, she, she sat on the Daytona 500 poll, uh, no other woman has done that, so um, you know. So you can check that mark off there, and you know I'm sure that we can find some other things that that may or may not be ballot worthy. But when, when you start looking at the credentials for others uh, that have yet to be brought to a vote on the NASCAR Hall of Fame, um, I, I, I think you can start making the case um, of the pros versus the cons. Uh, on why these others need to be there first versus, you know, Danica Patrick. And, you know, this is, this is, this is where, you know, I think we've seen a reverse, you know, over the years where we're putting some of these drivers into the Hall of Fame that, you know, uh, you know, we're putting more recent drivers into it before we're putting some of the drivers that, um, you know, have really made, um, you know, some kind of impact on the sport. 
Well, I'm glad we got all of our technical issues uh, resolved now, guys. I do apologize about that. Uh, sometimes, you know, I'm not an engineer. I'm just a guy that, that pushes buttons and talks. And, you know, uh, I, I, when, when we have these uh, facilitators uh, and it's on their end, I kind of have to rely on them. And so, you know, we have our own little studio, own little chat room that we talk with them about and you know, they basically just tell me to keep talking. So uh, I, I did, and we, I, we've killed the gerbils. So I'm proud to, proud to announce that there were some gerbils that were injured in today's broadcast. So, <laughs> anyway, guys, so I, I do want to, because we are running out of time here, but I do want to get your official picks for the IndyCar champion. And I wanted to talk with you, which we could save this for another day, but I wanted to just kind of get a brief 30-second thought, because what we're starting to see here, guys, not just in NASCAR, uh, not just in IndyCar, but now we're seeing it also in uh, ESPN and all of a sudden, we're starting to see what before was kind of like a separated boundary. There was there was the non-politics, we don't get involved in politics and sports, and then now there is, and it seems to be free-flowing that uh, people of, of – uh, some of your major networks can tweet and say whatever they want to say. And now, you know, I saw a recent tweet, and I don't want to get into who it was, but I saw a recent tweet from someone of the same sort of network talking about NASCAR fans, how they attribute to white supremacy and all of this stuff. So I think it's gone overboard, and I think there's a certain network that, that will not be named, but I think you both know who that is. I don't think NASCAR contributes to that line of thinking and you know that that line of thinking is stupid wrong any which way you you spell it but just because you're a nascar fan does not make you a white supremacist no more than if you are it's just and i don't know if either one of you guys heard clay travis's uh, podcast out kick the coverage if not i encourage everyone to go listen to that because it was such a a fantastic put together podcast uh, about this entire subject. So two things, uh, Tyson, if you can wrap it up uh, for us uh, in, in about you know 30 to 45 seconds, and we can continue the conversation on another show, and then we'll do the same thing with you, Steve. First of all, what are your thoughts on that, Tyson? And second of all, who wins the IndyCar championship? Yeah, I mean, first off, I think the great thing about sports and what it should be is sports should be an escape from politics and and anything else going on in the world. I know that we have incidents that, that, you know, you can't just ignore it and you have to talk about it. But at the same time, in sports, I just don't think politics has a place in it. And, you know, as a NASCAR fan, I can tell you, I don't think I represent uh, the demographic of a lot of people that, yeah, that what people think of NASCAR fans. So, I mean, to for people to just assume, you know, NASCAR fans are white supremacists, that is just, baloney basically um so basically i mean i yeah i I just wish that people would keep these things separate keep politics and sports separate because that's what they should be um as for my indycar championship pick i'm it's tough but i'm gonna go with the guy who's currently leading so i'm really not going out on a limb i'm gonna go joseph newgarden he's gonna win his first championship Steve Wilson, uh, same question, and uh, just uh, we're, we're about to run out of time here. So, you know, 30, 45 seconds on your thoughts on that. Uh, I'm going to go with Scott Dixon on this one. And, um, you know, my, my thoughts on to this are is that NASCAR fans have been um, stereotyped for many, many, many years. 
Um, I don't think it's anything that anybody's going to get over. I mean, all you have to do is just read social media on any, any given day. Um, you know, it, it's out there. Um, it, it doesn't matter um, what we do to try and break the mold. Uh, you know, there's many people that of all walks of life that come through the gates, watched races um, that, you know, are in the pits, walk on these cars, um, you know, run the sport, etc. Uh, but, you know, the stereotype is, is never going to go away because that's just the way that, you know, people of small, closed mind thinks. And, um, you know, just let them continue thinking that. And, you know, as far as the politics sides, you know, you know, Tyson is right. You know, sports are supposed to be non-political. You know, it's kind of like music. You know, you know, it, it's a break away from real life. You know, to be entertained. Um, but you know, some people just um, you know can't, don't know uh, when to separate the two, and they stop blurring the lines. And when the lines get blurred, it just you know that destroys everything. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate Tyson from OnPitRoad.com joining us uh, and uh, Steve Wilson joining us. We had an abbreviated uh, version of our racing segment today to talk about IndyCar uh, Championship this weekend. Of course, NASCAR up in Chicagoland. Uh, Speedway, I appreciate you guys and your thoughts. Where can people find your work and your masterpieces, uh, Tyson? So you can go to, as always, go to OnPitRoad.com to check out our work. Uh, We put out a, a great piece yesterday, a collaborative effort between most of the staff, uh, where we gave our thoughts on uh, the championship uh, in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series, who's going to win the uh, the championship and and who will do well in the playoffs. So go check that out, of course, and then follow me on Twitter at TysonLot23. Tyson, we appreciate you coming on, and uh, we're following your action on uh, our fantasy football uh, league as well. So, uh, awesome, have your, thanks. Have yourself a good weekend. Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest, uh, where can people find your work and masterpieces? You can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, facebook.com, forward slash Speedway Digest, and SpeedwayDigest.com. All right, Steve, we appreciate you, and hopefully uh, your Redskins do well this weekend. Uh, I'm hoping that, and, you know, Florida State, because, you know, we we, uh, we had to not play last weekend because of the Hurricanes down in Florida, so that game had to be moved. And, uh, you know, after Alabama, um, I hope the rest of the season goes a little bit better for us. Absolutely. All right, buddy, we'll talk with you soon, and you have yourself a good race weekend. Thanks, you too. Take care. Bye. Steve Wilson and Tyson from OnPitRoad.com joins us to talk in our racing segment. We'll be right back. Guys, we're running just a few minutes behind. That's okay. Uh, we'll catch up on the uh, back end. Ed Crass, our official NFL contributor, and Rick Riggin joins us as well. We're going to be breaking down college football, breaking rank, and NFL uh, together uh, coming up right here on the Balance Radio Network. <laughs> Bobby, you're here again. Yeah, my doctor told me to reduce stress at work, so I come to Buffalo Wild Wings to eat lunch and watch sports. I get to pick one of seven entrees, like sandwiches and salads, plus one of seven sides. Well, I like sides. It's so affordable, I can finally take a vacation. Where are you going to go? Here, Tim, here. Introducing the new Beat Up Fast Break Lunch Menu, starting at a new low price. Dine-in or order takeout weekdays between 11 and 2. Participation and availability may vary. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. 
Taking a family of five to the amusement park can cost a small fortune. Oh, yeah. So to save some money, we thought, hey, let's bring the amusement park to us. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Uh, step right up. Step right up, young man. Are you ready to ride the Wacky Waterfall? That's just the bathtub with the shower head running. Nope, it's the Wacky Waterfall. It's the shower, Dad. Waterfall. Wacky. There's an easier way to save. To get a free rate quote, go to Geico.com. Then buy online, over the phone, or at your local Geico office. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. It's O'Rewards Member Appreciation Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Stop in today and check out store-wide savings, plus earn double points on over 225 items. It's our way of saying thank you. If you're not already a member, sign up today during O'Rewards Member Appreciation Month. It's fast, easy, and free. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Without even having to be told, I got my mic on now, guys. <laughs> Welcome back to the balance. My name's uh, Tom Mark Wazell, President Jay. So good to have you along. I appreciate my minions sticking around with us. Uh, for Rick and uh, Ed, are you there? Yes. Hey. All right, all right. Hi, Rick. Yeah, we're here. I was, I'm here. I was, ha- I was having some technical difficulties at the beginning of the show, and then I just was having all kinds of feedback through the se- the, the last uh, half hour, and I wanted to make sure we got everything figured out, which we do. Like I said, uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I just, I just uh, push buttons and talk. So, you know, we we have these facilitators. Uh, they just tell me to keep talking, so I keep talking. But there was like. A repeat feedback in my ears. I know you guys that aren't in radio don't understand what I mean, but it's like saying something, saying something. When you do something, do something. You know, it, it's it's quite annoying. So anyway, but I'm glad that we've got everything uh, resolved. Week two of the NFL is underway, guys. We've got one week in the books. And uh, thank God, thank God almighty, the Indianapolis Colts are gone from Los Angeles. What an embarrassing time that was. We'll get into that conversation as well. And we're also going to mingle in and fuse our Ambance uh, Breaking Rate segment where we're going to be talking about the top 25 college uh, football segments as well. But what I want to kind of do is just uh, put a pause button on it because I do want to get you guys' opinion on it. Um, and, and, I, and you heard me uh, talking with uh, Steve and Tyson about this. I, and, and the reason why I bring this up is because it's become such a such a an acceptance for one side in the in the left media, if you will, sports media. And we talk about, we'll just say it, ESPN. Uh, the, the the things that have come out with, uh, I think her name is Jamel Hill in ESPN. One way or the other, on what your political affiliation is, that's not my question to you. My question is, at what point? At what point do we say to media outlets that do sports, stay in your lane? Stay in your lane. This has, I mean, 
personal opinions aside, she has the right to believe whatever she wants. Everybody has that right. But for her to use her personal platform to to uh, to, to send out the release that she does, and then what again? What we saw tweets as I was just talking before that just because you're a NASCAR fan does not make you a white supremacist. This whole thing of mixed sports and 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 again, it would come from someone from of that same media outlet. I don't know what they're doing over there, but I thought I would take a moment, and I don't know if you guys have heard it. You can Google it, or I can send you the link. Here. But I would encourage you, both of you guys and, and, and anybody that's listening to us, uh, and, and I don't a lot of times push other shows, obviously, but he's pretty well known. Clay Travis of Outkick the Coverage. Very, very good guy as far and, and you know, I've had a chance to meet him and talk with him in the past, but I listen to his podcast quite regularly. But he had an... Uh, he basically said... Enough is enough, okay? And then, of course, he was being attacked by his callers and stuff. So what he did is he cleared out his entire hour, last hour of his show last week, to take calls from people who thought he was a racist because uh, he uh, – of a stance that he took that he, that he felt like that ESPN didn't come down hard enough on this particular individual. And uh, so basically he cleared out. He goes, I only want to talk to people that think – that I'm a racist. And he got all kinds of calls. Some people thought he did. Some people didn't think that he was. But the point is, he nailed it on the head. So I encourage you guys to listen to that uh, podcast. But it got me to thinking that, you know, it, it has gotten a little bit overboard. So real quickly, and then we'll get into our games. Ed, what are your thoughts on this? Has it gone too far? Are we over? Are we just oversensitive? What is the issue now? Because well, we, we would have never, even five years ago, Ed, we would have never seen uh, ESPN uh, people use their platforms to pronounce their personal hatred or like to one particular side or the other. Go ahead. Ed, are you with us? Oh, I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? Tom, I can hear you now. Go you ahead. Now? We, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, 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 was I can on. hear you. Okay, yeah. yeah no, I, I think it's a shame that the country's reached this point is what I was saying. I, you know, it's that it, it's come to this where, you know, people feel the need to speak out and, you know, people have a platform and if they want to speak out, you know, that's fine. I, I you know, you mentioned that Travis, Clay Travis, and his, was that the comment about the first amendment and boobs? Was that kind of what uh, he was talking about there? I mean, I just saw all that briefly, but I saw Janelle Hill's comments and, you know, people have a platform yeah. and if they want to speak their mind. And, you know, I, I think they're in, entitled to do that uh, as long as it pr- moves things forward and you can talk about it in a constructive way. I think coming out and calling somebody a racist or a white supremacist, whatever it is, I don't think that's the right way. I don't think that advances anything forward. I think there's a right way and a wrong way to use your agenda. Um, and I'm not sure that was the right way. Unfortunately too, that's, that's the nature of Twitter, you know, and, and this social media world we live in, you know, you're limited to 140 characters yeah, to just throw out uh, that she's a, you know, Trump's a supremacist or whatever she said about him was, was not the appropriate way to do it. Um, there are ways to do it. And, but like I said, I just think that it's a shame that it's come to this point that in, in this country that there's, you know, this hatred has kind of been stirred up and that people feel like they have to speak out because they don't feel like uh, the country's going in the right direction. But I don't think that was the proper way to do it. I absolutely, absolutely agree. And I think that, again, ESPN should have been a lot stricter on her especially seeing as how they suspended somebody else for merely just talking about politics, and they didn't do anything but slap her on the knuckles. Uh, Rick Riggin, uh, go ahead, sir. 
Yeah, my, my thing with the uh, sports and politics is that it also doesn't mix. You know, uh, just like the, in your NASCAR segment, I caught the end of that when uh, we was talking about you know, Clay Travis and everything. It's just my thing is people are coming here for entertainment. You know, I don't want to put my personal opinions and views on things on, on your show or on my Twitter account or anything sports-related because I don't want to ruin anybody's, you know, sports talk, uh, radio, uh, entertainment, basically. So I think, it, it, you know, it, it's not the right place for it. I don't know why the past two months, I guess, it's, it's all started with Colin Kaepernick, really. You know, the milling down last year and, now that's brought all this in into the sports world, you know, so uh, that's where I could put a finger on it. About Clay Travis, Tom, I mean, not to plug other radio, sports talk radio shows on, on your show, but uh, Clay Travis is actually my favorite sports talk radio guy, so I know exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly about the uh, the First Amendment and Boobs uh, comment he made on CNN yesterday, and they only, they cut him out of that, that segment for uh, only about, about a minute long. They shut off his mic, so... Now yeah. he's got a firestorm on, so yeah, I know all about Clay Travis. I know all about the uh, well, he's doing the uh, political views and why they turn to him. And but yeah, for me, I'm not blaming Colin Kaepernick. But once uh, Colin Kaepernick started kneeling down last year, that's where all this started seeping in. Oh, absolutely, and. You know, again, I'm not trying to be a homer boy for, for Clay Travis. I, I've met him when he's been here in Indianapolis, and he's, he's popped on this show before. He's just a, a real down-to-earth guy. He just really t- tells you how it is. And if you, if you want to argue with him, he's okay with that, but at least bring an intelligent argument about that. And I'll send both of you guys uh, guys the link, but we're on a show called The Balance now. We'll, we'll try to get Clay on again sometime. He's great, though. But, uh, Ed, have you ever heard of the show? I have not. No, I haven't. Oh well, we need to we need to get you in the loop, then, man. What's what's wrong with you? Yeah. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I only have so many hours in a day. I only have so many hours uh, in a day, Tom, to to you know do what I do, and I'll try and squeeze it in if you send me the link. Well, I think if we can just all work together, we can extend the day to 28 hours. I think we, that would that would help us out <laughs> a lot. And let, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about. Uh, and we, I don't want to talk a lot about gloom and doom, but really, I, I don't think that there was anybody that had more gloom and doom in week one. Maybe that was because I, it was close to me, but, you know, I, I'm looking at the scores from week one just real quickly here. I mean, I know the Ravens beat the Bengals 20-0. to Of course, the Bengals lost again to the Texans, and they fired their offensive coordinator. But I'm looking around the league from week one, and I know that everybody knows that I'm a homer for the Colts. I don't deny that, but... Doom and gloom for the Colts, 46-9. What an embarrassment uh, for week one for the Colts. Obviously, we've got Arizona coming in this week uh, to town, and they've got their own issues. I don't think it'll be as bad as it was uh, last, last week. But my question to you, are the Colts as bad as that score really uh, indicates or, or not? Uh, you better hope not. Um, <laughs> I mean, if, if they don't play any better this on, on Sunday, you know, Chuck Pagano could – he he may not live to see week three. He may be, be on the firing line here. Uh, that was a completely inept performance by the Colts against the Rams team that, you know, they might be lucky to win five or six games this year. Um, of course, what do we really know about teams in week one? Um, so, you know, maybe that was just kind of a fluke. I don't think so. I think the Colts are really unsettled, obviously, on on defense. And now they have the quarterback situation. Andrew Luck, you know, who, who knows when or if he's even going to return this year. 
Um, you know, if, if he's ready to go in week four and the Colts are sitting there 0 four, I mean, do you, do you want to bring him back into a, a bad situation or do you, you, you turn this show over to Jacoby Brissett and see what he can do for a year? Um, but yeah, they, they have a lot to prove on Sunday against a team that also has a lot to prove. You know, Bruce Arians, of course, coming back to Indianapolis, um, where, you know, he was, uh, took over for Chuck Pagano when he had that, uh, that leukemia, uh, the battle with leukemia. And he did a great job in his one year. I think he was named the coach of the year um, that season. I think it was 20, 2012. But, you know, so they have a lot to prove as well. These are two 0-1 teams. Now the Colts are playing at home, so you hope they have more of an inspired effort than they did in L.A. They'll also benefit by the fact that David Johnson, the Cardinals uh, Pro Bowl running back, you know, he's out for probably three months with an injury, suffered last week. So that might help. But, you know, the, the Rams didn't have their – top pass rusher last week and Aaron Donald and they just you know ran right over Indianapolis so listen the Colts need to play better there's no question about it um if not like I said I'm not sure how long Chuck Pagano is going to remain as the head coach totally agree I mean it would be it would be something that the Ursay family has never done in their entire history they have never fired someone in the season they've never done it but one thing I can say about just living here in Indianapolis and being familiar with the Ursay family and Jim Ursay particularly, the last thing they want and, and hate is embarrassment. And that was an embarrassment. So, yeah, I agree. If they get embarrassed again at home, I can definitely see that trend uh, changing. And it's unfortunate for Chuck Pagano because he's a great guy. He's a nice guy. He really is a down-to-earth nice guy. And I think a lot of people love him here in this city as a person, but for whatever reason, whatever reason, I don't know what it is. He just hasn't been able to get it together. But it's not just Chuck Pagano. It's not just Scott Tolzien. It's not just Andrew Luck being out. And, and you know, we heard Mike and Mike talk right. about it, Andrew Luck wanting to, to be out of Indianapolis. And they, his agent, which is also his uncle, has said, no, that's not the case. We wanted to be here in Indianapolis. He's got a long-term relationship here in Indianapolis. And I do know this for a fact, that Andrew Luck is building a very mammoth house here on the north side of Indianapolis, that's a lot of money to spend if you don't want to stay. So I would say that the indications are that he's staying here. But it's just from the top up. And I don't know, you know, again, Ballard's just coming in from Kansas City, did a great job out there at Kansas City, uh, replacing uh, Gregson. So we'll see what happens as the season goes along. And maybe we're all just knee-jerking and just, you know, like wanting to pounce on something and say something. Rick, real real quickly, what are your thoughts? And we'll get into some college games and and circle back around to NFL. Go ahead, uh, Rick. Yeah, it just sounds like to me that it's the organization right now with the problems starting with the coaching staff, and then it goes up from there. And it's not really the players and personnel below the coaching staff. It's the coaching staff on up is what it sounds like to me. It also sounds like the Colts might try to put a – a uh, oh, what's the head coach's name now for uh, Bruce Arians? I don't know what Wall Street thought. Bruce Arians has got on a Chuck Pagano and sent a Pagano back with Arizona and try to hang on to the real Bruce Arians. I'll tell you what, a lot of people say, hindsight, looking that Bruce Arians might be a better coach than Chuck Pagano. So, uh, I, I don't know. We'll see about That's that. That's what guys. I'm Let's saying. <laughs> I think you're going to try yeah. to send Pagano back with Arizona and hang on to Bruce Arians. 
I think I think Arizona might have something to say about that. But hey, uh, so let's uh, get into it. We're kind of mixing our Ambats uh, presents breaking rank. And Rick, I know you're going to be in town uh, next week uh, for a conference with the Ambats. Talk with us a little bit about what's going on with the Ambats, and uh, hopefully we're going to try to get this together where we can do our show live from down there. But at, at the moment, we don't know. But certainly, you and I will get together for dinner and drinks. That much is for sure. But uh, oh, yeah. you're going to be in town with the Ambats uh, next weekend. Uh, talk with us a little bit about what's going on with them and then let's go into the clemson louisville game which is probably the biggest game on the menu this weekend yeah well definitely you know amvet since world war ii has been fighting for the benefits our veterans are entitled for uh that that's that's our fight that's our goal that is the amvet's mission and uh, my job next weekend is to uh try to catch you know amvet's is you know kind of kind of kind of your older crowd tom kind of kind of guys your age and older you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know how to take that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna bring that. I'm bringing that. That's Indiana anyway into the uh, the social media world, man. We're gonna target younger veterans like myself, who's only a eight years old. You know, our Afghan war vets or Iraqi freedom vets and, and younger. And uh, that is the uh, the focus, targeting new members across the board, across the country, really, but definitely here in Indiana is my main focus. So uh, that that is what we're working on, and that is what I'm in town for next weekend. So let's uh, get into this conversation, Clemson and Louisville today. Uh, probably again one of the biggest uh, games of the weekend uh, by all accounts, and certainly a lot of implications when it comes to Clemson. But I think Louisville has a lot of weapons that they can bring to uh, bring a challenge to the Clemson Tigers. Yeah, well, the game's actually in Louisville, and. Uh, That'd be awesome if I could just go to it. Cause I'm gonna live like an hour and a half away from there. Uh, Clemson will be great at Papa John Stadium. Uh, <laughs> you can say what you want about Bobby Petrino, the person. You know all the infidelity and everything he's done in the past. So why he's got fired from Arkansas and all that. But Bobby Petrino, the head coach, is an outstanding football coach, and they still have the the, the reigning, defending. World Heavyweight Heisman Trophy winner of the world, Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's still just as dynamic or maybe even better than last year. So, I know with Sam Darnold and, and some of these other uh, uh, players like Jalen Hurts and Bo Scarborough in Alabama, all these guys that have all the Heisman talk and everybody forgot about Lamar Jackson, uh, don't forget about Lamar Jackson because he's going to be the difference in this game. And do you have any thoughts on Clemson and uh, Louisville? Yeah, well, Rick touched on on it with Bobby Petrino. I mean, he, I just can't root for that guy no matter where he is. But, you know, Lamar Jackson, now he's a guy I can root for. You know, he's a fun kid to watch. Uh, what he did against uh, North Carolina last week with, uh, you know, five touchdowns and, you know, 500 yards, I mean, uh, just tremendous. I mean, I love watching that kind of an athlete play that position. And, you know, I think he was a little under the radar uh, early in the season with the Heisman stuff, all the Heisman talk everybody was talking about, you know, Josh Rosen at UCLA. And he certainly put on a show last week um, as well. But, you know, everybody's talking about Rosen and Baker Mayfield and maybe Saquon Barkley at Penn State. But Lamar Jackson kind of went under the radar. And, uh, you know, this is obviously a spotlight game for him. Uh, so, you know, he's an easy guy to root for. But, you know, Petrino, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, like, like Rick said, with the infidelities and, you know, even going back to when he was a head coach with the Atlanta Falcons and how he just quit on that team and walked out and left notes in the players' locker saying that he was gone. I mean, uh, you know, to just give up like that, I just can't root for him. Uh, but I'll root for Lamar Jackson and I'll root for Louisville in this game because I want to see this kid Jackson do well. I want to see him de- develop to the point where he can become an NFL 
style quarterback. I love when young quarterbacks come in the league that uh, have promise like that. I think it makes for, you know, an exciting NFL uh, as well. So I'll be, I'll be rooting for Lamar Jackson. I'm looking forward to the game. It's a shame we have to wait until eight o'clock Saturday night to see it. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, So, uh, Rick, uh, we'll talk a little bit about your Falcons visiting the big house up in Michigan. I think it's going to be close. Obviously, I don't think anybody expects Air Force to beat Michigan, but this is going to be a good game. Again, it's always good to see these uh, military schools come together because, really, let's face it, they're they're there for uh, they're in school for something other than football. Uh, sometimes, occasionally, we will see uh, people come out of these service academies into the NFL, but for the most part, they're there to, to service our country. You're an Air Force vet, uh, rooting for the the, the Falcons today i'm sure i think they could give him a game but i just think it's going to be one of those iu ohio state type games where they're just going to get gassed in the second half go ahead uh, rick right you know it, it's a service academy you know all the service academies play your body really tough even if, if michigan you know they're going to be really dominant in this game their defense is really good one of the best head coaches in in the country uh i don't see any problems with michigan but uh don't count on my Falcons, though, because the Michigan's probably going to walk in this game and win, but they're going to limp out of there, all right, with a big win. So <laughs> it's not going to be easy on them. They're going to they're gonna know they felt the wrath of the United States Air Force. Uh, That's Ed right. Patch, any, any thoughts on that game, Ed? Well, I, yeah, I think, you know, and I, look, I'm not going to go, go against Rick's predictions here after – you know, last week he said that the Browns giving up 10 points to the Steelers, you, you know, that's a lot to give up in an NFL game. And I, I disagreed with it at the time. I would have taken the Steelers in that game. And it turns out the Browns played the Steelers very tough. Uh, you know, they only lost, I think, by three points. So I'm not going against Rick here. I think Michigan's going to uh, obviously, uh, you know, put, put the wood to Air Force. I just hope Air Force can hang with them. Uh, you know, maybe that offense they run will give Michigan some problems early. And, you know, maybe they can force Wilton Spade into some turnovers. Uh, but to keep it close, but I just don't see Michigan losing this game. And I think they're really heavily favored. And, you know, I, I just think they'll win big for, for sure. Well, I'm a golden Knight guy myself. I'm an army guy. I love, love, love the army Navy game every year. Can't wait to talk about that this year. Let's get into the NFL Thursday night opener uh, for this week. I should say Texans and the Bengals. You know, I, I thought it was kind of a boring game, to be honest with you, Ed. I, I mean, it's it's good to get some of the kinks worked out. Obviously, the Bengals proved they can't do anything. That's why they got rid of their offensive coordinator. The quarterback's coach is now stepping in in the interim. So, obviously, he was the first coach to get uh, uh, axed uh, in, in, the, in the season this year, if you will. But what did the win with Tex, the Texans, what did that show us uh, of what kind of team they're going to be? Because, they started with their with their new rookie quarterback, which was obviously no surprise to me at all. Uh, but the Texans and the Bengals, kind of a boring game, but did it show us anything about the Texans particularly, more the Texans than the Bengals? Well, yeah, it was Deshaun Watson's first start, you know, obviously. And Bill O'Brien kept things very vanilla for him. And if, if nothing else, it was a big confidence boost for, for Watson to come out and win his first game. It was on the road. Um, you know, Cincinnati's not exactly – uh, you know, the big house when it comes to, you know, support for their team. But still, it was on the road, and, and Watson went in to win it. But I, I think what you see with Houston is kind of what you get. You get you're going to get a good defense uh, that's going to try to attack and pressure the other team's quarterback. And then you hope on the offensive side of the ball, they can do what they did Thursday night, score enough points to win, generate enough offense to put more points on the board uh, than the other team. And you know, look, I know Deshaun Watson got a lot of ink, and that's that long touchdown run he had at the end of the first half after taking a, 
a shot to the chops by uh, Geno Atkins was, you know, that was impressive, but you know, he needs to figure out a way to play all four quarters. And of course he's a rookie, his first start. I think he'll figure out how to do that, but it's going to be a growing pot process offensively for that team. And they're going to have to win games with their defense. Uh, Ed, let, let's talk a little bit about week two as we as we move around the league here. Uh, Mo's going to be joining us here in a minute. So we are fusing together uh, our BS About Sports uh, segment, our Breaking Rink segment, and uh, our NFL segment. A lot of that in part is because of our racing set schedule with the two racing uh, series that we cover quite in depth, and that's IndyCar and NASCAR on the front part of the show. Uh, so a lot of times we have to combine stuff for time purposes. However, I will I will say this, that we'll have a little bit more time for a segment beginning next week because this is the last week for IndyCar, IndyCar Championship in Simona, uh, California, down in Wine Valley this weekend. And uh, so we'll have a little bit more time uh, to uh, put these, these segments uh, together that we like to do. But let's kind of uh, talk a little bit about week two. As we walk around the, the NFL in no particular order, uh, we already talked about the Colts and the Cardinals, and, and we touched on that. Let's talk about the Vikings and the Steelers. Uh, I've not been that impressed. Only it's been one game. I've not been that impressed by the Steelers, but I was very impressed by the Vikings this past week. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, that, that's one of the games I have is, you know, one of the marquee games, in my opinion, of the weekend. Uh, it's a one o'clock game. Uh, but yeah, Sam Bradford, you know, they rebuilt that offensive line in Minnesota. And if you give uh, Sam Bradford that kind of time, uh, to throw the ball, he, you know, he's going to do what he did uh, last week in, in, in the win. So, you know, Pittsburgh, can they dial up enough pressure to figure out how to get to him? Because when he's under pressure, Bradford clearly is a different quarterback. When they came to Philadelphia last year, uh, you know, after Bradford was just traded, the, the Eagles sacked him six times. And uh, I think Minnesota was 6-0 and at that time in the season or 5-0. and uh, And the Eagles just, you know, they know what they have to do to beat Sam Bradford. To beat him, you have to put put pressure on him. Uh, and, and I think the Steelers can do that. They're playing at home. And, yeah, they didn't look good against Cleveland last week. Um, but, I, you know, I think playing at home, uh, it'll be a different kind of challenge for the Vikings. Joining us now also is Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, uh, thanks for joining us on our weekly segment of uh, BS About Sports. And we're just going to do that. But hanging around with us also is because we had a little bit of a delayed start and we're combining our segments as far as college football and the NFL. So we're going to do it all together. Uh, Mo from the BS Sports Show, how are you, sir? Good, man. And hopefully you bet the house on my uh, Cleveland Browns pick last week because that means you won a ton of money. We just talked about that. We literally just talked about that. That that is funny. Uh, so uh, we're talking a little. We were just to bring you up to speed. We talked a little bit about Clemson Louisville. I think that's the biggest game on tap this weekend. Talk with us about your thoughts. What are the what are what are the uh, betting perspectives on this? And what are your thoughts on Clemson and Louisville at Louisville? Well, you know, I've been on a couple of the shows this week. Uh, the betting ones I do in Vegas and in San Diego and. This is one, to me, the best bet on this game uh, is no bet at all because I think that, uh, you know, you've seen this Louisville offense be, uh, be uh, very uh, Jekyll and Hyde so far this season. Uh, am I going to get the uh, amazing Heisman Trophy performance or am I going to get uh, the one I got in the first week where it's just okay? Uh, Clemson, uh, it looks like the real deal again. Uh, I think their defense is, is pretty good. Uh, and uh, it seems that, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson's uh, shoes are going to be filled pretty uh, pretty good here. But 
again, are we going to see a high-scoring game or are we going to see a game where defenses step up? So a lot of people are anxious to play the over on this game, combining both points, and and if you're going to make a play, maybe. But with live in-game betting now, if it were me, I would sit out the first half and see where the game's going before I place a bet in the second half. But I'd stay away from this game. I, I like the game. I think Clemson wins it uh, you know, eventually. Rick, let's kind of get into the uh, college football uh, talk as well. Uh, certainly brought to us by uh, the Indiana Amvet uh, breaking rank as well. You know, uh, some of the games that might make a difference, but maybe not, are going on this this week. Let's talk a little bit about Colorado State. Obviously, at number one, Alabama. That'll be on uh, on ESPN today. I think Bama's going to win this roll tie. Uh, but uh, should, uh, certainly, if Colorado State should win, it would be a heck of a resume win for them. Yeah, you know, it's Alabama's attempt to really reach out of the conference and, and schedule themselves some tough opponents here. Uh, you know, Colorado State. So, yeah, there's going to be no problem with Alabama. I mean, they're probably going to put up 40 to 50 points on the board and hold Colorado State to probably under 10, just like they did last week against some no-name school they played last week. So, it, it's them re- reaching out and playing some tough uh, not non-conference uh, games. And I do have a question for Ed, though, about the uh, uh, Minnesota, Minnesota and Pittsburgh NFL game. Yeah. So uh, there was like a little bit of a knee injury with Sam Bradford, and he had an MRI done this week. Have you heard anything? Is there a chance that he might not play? No, I heard the MRI was fine, and he is going to play. Um, so he's going to line up, and he'll, he'll play. Now, you know, look, Bradford doesn't have a whole lot of mobility when his knee's healthy. So, uh, right. You know, yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I think he's going to play, uh, you know, and like I said, you know where Bradford's going to be once you collapse that pocket. He's going to be sitting right in it. He might be able to get outside a little bit, but it doesn't take much to kind of flag him down. So um, his knee's fine. I don't know if it'll be fine when the game's over, but, uh, you know, we'll see. But as, as far as I know, though, Rick, his knee's fine. He's going he's gonna to line up on Sunday. Well, let's uh, circle back around to the NFL. We'll get back into college here in a second. Uh, Ed Kratz, our official NFL contributor. You know, we talked a little bit about the Vikings and, and the Steelers. Uh, obviously, every every week, everybody watches the the Patriots and what's going on uh, with the Patriots. Does the Saints, and how big would this be if the Saints beat the Patriots and the Patriots start the season 0-2? Ed, how big is that? Well, I, I it would be huge. I don't think it's going to happen. I you know, I just don't have a lot of confidence in the Saints uh, being really that good this year. They're very young on defense. I think they have some, you know, I love that linebacker, Alex uh, Anzalone from Florida. Uh, you know, I thought the Eagles might take a shot at him in the draft. Um, I think he can play. But, you know, their secondary is very young. And um, You know, Brandon Cooks is going back home to New Orleans. Uh, I, I just don't see how the Saints can, can match up in this game. I know New England's defense is vulnerable and it's in New Orleans and uh, but you know, then England is battle tested for sure. I don't, I don't really see a problem with them winning this game. I think, you know, I think, I don't think there's any jeopardy of them being 0-2. To be honest. Mo, thoughts on uh, the Patriots and the Saints in uh, Colorado State and Alabama? Well, I mean, Alabama Colorado State's not even a game that I'll normally even mess with or watch because it's just it's a ridiculous waste of time. Uh, as far as uh, is New England and uh, and the Saints go, I agree with that. Man, I, I don't think there's any way the Saints defense keeps New England out of the end zone, especially numerous times. I think the Saints can score some points on them, but at the end of the day, I think New Orleans hasn't done enough to change the defense, and I think it's been the biggest problem there. So I think New England wins this football game. I think we're looking at a team that's 500. So, uh, 
Rick, let's circle back around. Let's talk about your Notre Dame Fighting Irish taking on the Boston College Eagles. A must win for Notre Dame today. Notre Dame uh, uh, is showing a little progress. I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not jumping uh, ship on them yet, but uh, what are your thoughts this far into the season? And let's face it, Boston College is a halfway decent team. Well, I... I'm hoping they get some sort of passing game going because that would have helped out a little bit last week against Georgia because it looked like somebody bet Brian Kelly. It's like, hey, Brian Kelly, I bet you won't run the same read option play 32 times in a row. And then Brian Kelly said, hold my beer. So, you know, they're supposed to be regarded as one of the best offensive lines in the country. They got completely controlled up front by the uh, D line for Georgia. So, if they could have got a passing game going, that would have opened up the run run a lot more. But, you know, you can run the same third play 32 times in a row and only get you 12 yards. Uh, that's one-point losses are going to happen. They're lucky they didn't get beat by more. Uh, so, but I hope this week against Boston College they get the passing game going. Uh, Ed, do you have any thoughts on Notre Dame and Boston College? Well, I, you know, I don't think Boston College is in the same league as Georgia. Uh, and Notre Dame did play Georgia pretty tough. But, uh, you know, Notre Dame needs to win this game. I know it's on the road, but uh, you know, Boston, like I said, Boston College, I don't think is in the same league as Georgia. And Notre Dame better get this win. Or, you know, maybe Brian Kelly, he's another coach. We talked about Chuck Pagano possibly being in trouble, uh, you know, should they stumble badly again on Sunday. I mean, Brian Kelly, I think, is already pretty hot on the bubble here. And, uh, you know, if they can't find a way to win, then that scrutiny is only going to heat up, and, and we'll see how long he lasts. Brian Kelly's definitely on thin ice, that's for sure. Yeah. Mo. Uh, Mo, what are your thoughts on Boston College and Notre Dame? This is a must-win game for the Irish. It is, and, and, and it's sad that we're saying must-win game already at game number three. Here's here's the biggest issue I have with Brian Kelly is that for some reason it seems like he can't figure out a way to to get along with the talented quarterbacks that he gets there at Notre Dame. It just it baffles me all the talent he's had there at quarterback, and he just can't seem to get along. I mean, the, the amount of talent that's transferred – out of Notre Dame or Deshaun Kaiser's, uh, you know, left early for the NFL, how how do they fix that? And and how long is it, as long as Brian Kelly's there, that they they don't get the uh, very talented quarterback recruits? I mean, Notre Dame, it's Notre Dame, and, and they will. But, you know, do you stop getting those top-line guys because Brian Kelly can't seem to get along with them? So I think that's the big issue there is, is the, the broken relationship Brian Kelly seems to have with all of his quarterbacks. We're talking with Ed Kratz, our official uh, – uh, NFL contributor Rick Riggin uh, with College Football and Vets presents uh, Rick uh, presents Rick Riggin presents Breaking Rank Rick Riggin always joins us for that <laughs> and uh, uh, Mo from the BS Sports Show we're just kind of combining all of our segments it's it's one big Kentucky Fried Chicken mix bowl you know where they mix the chicken and the mashed potatoes you know we always got to throw in food here we got we got to throw in food you know so <laughs> you know I, I everybody everybody knows that I don't like Ohio State and of course we talked a little bit earlier that I'm a big uh, Golden Knight Guy. I think Army has a, has a good shot at the bowl, guys. We'll start with you, Rick. Army at Ohio State uh, today, 4:30 on Fox. I, again, I, I think that uh, it's not going to be it's going to be a, a hard battle for Army to win. But if they win, it could matter a little bit, and especially it would matter more to Ohio State than it does for Army. But I do think that Army does have a shot at some sort of a bowl game this year. Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, I mean, the Army, they're a triple option team. They're going to try to control the clock uh, today. They're going to, I think Ohio State's going to try to work out some bugs with the offense, with JT Barrett. You know, they, 
really just looking to average, maybe it's a little be below average this year yeah, of a quarterback. So they got some problems. You know, IU did expose them a couple weeks ago. That you can make some plays in that secondary. But Army is a – that's a triple option team. If they can control the clock, keep the game close in the fourth quarter, you know, closer what the experts think, you know, I think that alone would be a, 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 a pretty good win for uh, for Army. Uh, Ed, what are your thoughts? Uh, Army, Ohio State? Hey, Army's flying high, right? They're two and zero. They come in uh, undefeated. Right. You know, it doesn't happen very often. Go uh, night. They won't be. Uh, <laughs> they won't be undefeated after today. That's for sure. But you know, and no, Tom, sir, like they will not. <laughs> no, they. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, you know, look, I think you're right, Tom. I think Army does have a legitimate shot at a bowl game, and that, that's always great to see. And you mentioned the Army Navy game. Uh, in December, that's always a, tr- a treat to watch. But uh, you know, Army, you know, I like watching that triple option. I'll, I'll tune into this game and I'll and I'll see how they hold up against Ohio State. I don't think it'll be very well for very long. But uh, again, that's why they play these games, and we'll see how it turns out. I'll tell you what, it'd be big, 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 big news if Ohio if Army does beat Ohio State. Uh, so <laughs> go Golden Knights, uh, Rick. I mean, Mo, what are your thoughts on Army and Ohio State? Well, I think that uh, in order to have a chance against Ohio State this year, both uh, teams have proven so far that you have to get to them early. Uh, you know, and maybe Army can score a, a quick touchdown on them or something, but I don't think by the end of the game it's close. But there are obviously some issues uh, at Ohio State, so there, there's some issues they need to address and address quickly if they want to uh, have any chance to still compete for national championship. Well, let's reverse uh, uh, order, uh, if you will. And we'll go back to you, Ed, because, you know, there's a couple games in your neck of the woods. You've got uh, Penn State uh, and your uh, and, and Penn State Nittany, Nittany Lions and Georgia, Georgia State Panthers. And the Eagles take on a very, very good Kansas City Chiefs. And they have a uh, very good secret weapon that's not so much secret anymore. I tell you what, any running back that can score me 39 points in one game, although I didn't have him, uh, Scored 39 points in fantasy football points. I, I'm all about it. But Kansas City Chiefs proved to me last week that they're the real deal. So thoughts on uh, Penn State and Georgia and uh, Georgia Southern, uh, Georgia State. I'm sorry, and uh, the Eagles and the Chiefs. Well, I don't think there's a lot to talk about with Penn State and Georgia State. Um, you know, it, it's just a complete mismatch, really. Uh, you know, I think Penn State can kind of just name the score in this one. Um, you know, they're off to a good start, 2-0, and and this is just kind of a tune-up game for, uh, you know, for when the Big Ten season opens. Um, you know, it, there's really not a lot to say here. Saquon Barkley, of course, will continue to look like a Heisman Trophy winner. I don't think he's the front-runner at this point, but he's certainly in the conversation. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I, you know, I don't think Georgia State has a, has a prayer in this one. Um, but as far as the Eagles and Chiefs, you, you might want to say the same thing. I don't think the Eagles have a prayer here to win in Kansas City, but I, I'm not so sure of that. I, I think, uh, you know, they can keep this game close. Uh, Andy Reid has a lot of weapons at his disposal, clearly with, uh, you know, Kareem Hunt and Tyree Kill. And, you know, Andy Reid's just a, a very good coach at designing plays that give mismatches, uh, you know, the, 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 for the offense. So he'll he'll do a good job in putting those guys in space and, making linebackers chase. Um, but, you know, offensively for the Eagles, you know, Carson Wentz had a, a pretty good opener in Washington last week. He uh, he was particularly good on third downs. He was 9 for 11 passing on third downs for 148 yards and two touchdowns. And, you know, when Washington blitzed him, which they did almost half the time in the game, I think it was 47%, uh, 
Wentz completed 11 of 18 throws for 119 yards. So, you know, Wentz has certainly proven that he's ready to take that next step. And he played in some tough places last year. Uh, Seattle comes to mind. And Kansas City Arrowhead Stadium can be very, very loud. Um, and, you know, obviously this is the Chiefs' home opener. Interesting angle, of course, is Andy Reid coach for Philadelphia for 14 seasons before uh, taking over in Kansas City. And Doug Peterson, the Eagles head coach, was his uh, quarterback's coach while in Philadelphia, played quarterback for Andy Reid early in Philadelphia, and then was Andy's offensive coordinator in Kansas City for three seasons. Uh, so there's that interesting angle, too. And the Eagles have a, a new field goal kicker. That can play a role in how things develop. They uh, their regular kicker, Caleb Sturgis, suffered a, a hip injury, so he's out for a while. They signed this kid, Jake Elliott, who was on the Cincinnati Bengals practice squad. He was a fifth-round pick uh, out of Memphis. But, you know, Peterson was asked how if he'll handle his play calling a little differently once they get into field goal range. Uh, and it's fourth and short. Will he opt to go for a field goal or we try, uh, you know, to go for a first down? And he said it's going to be dependent on his gut feeling at that time. So, you know, that's a little bit of a wrinkle into this. And then, of course, both teams are missing key members of their secondary. The Chiefs lost Eric Berry to the Achilles heel and, uh, you know, the Achilles tear. And the Eagles lost Ronald Darby, their number one corner, to a dislocated ankle. Um, I, I think Darby's going to try to be back in about six weeks. Berry season's over. Uh, but, you know, that certainly leaves a mark in the secondary. So, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of footballs in the air. I think it's going to be kind of a high-scoring affair. I don't know what the over-under is. Mo probably can tell you, but uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if this game is played, you know, into the high 20s for both teams. So we'll go to you, Mo. What is the over and under of this game? I believe it's 43 and a half uh, the last time I looked. You know, I, I mean, I think Ed hit on it too. The, I think the Eric Berry loss is a big loss uh, for the Chiefs. Not only is, you know, how, uh, all pro safety, but is their emotional leader on the defense. The question to me is, are we going to, what Alex Smith are we going to get? Are we going to get the one against New England that was finally throwing the ball downfield and making big plays? Or are we going to get the Alex Smith that's been criticized for so long of just not moving the ball down the field quickly and not making those big plays? I, I like the offense Kansas City has. I think the one thing when you watch Carson Wentz in Philadelphia is that how, how often do the Rams kick themselves for making the wrong pick? I understand why they picked Jared Goff being the California guy, but, man, they got to feel at this point like they really made a huge mistake. Carson Wentz. Uh, I think Ed is 100% on the money. Is he's ready to take that next step. I, I love everything that I see about this kid, and I think he's going to be a star in the NFL for years to come. So let, how, how you, we'll start with you. Uh, go ahead, Rick, or Ed. I'm sorry. Well, I, I was just going to say to Mo, how do you think the Cleveland Browns feel? I mean, yeah, the, the Rams are kicking themselves probably, but the Browns traded out of that number two pick uh, with the Eagles to allow them to move up. And, you know, maybe they have something in Deshaun Kaiser in Cleveland, but you know, I, I didn't understand why they did it at the time with Wentz. I thought, you know, he was a kid that you'd want to try to build around, and, and for some reason they chose not to. Well, I think that they needed so many so many pieces last year, and they realized that that, that was their best move at that point uh, because they utilized some of those picks this year too. But, it, I mean, for Carson Wentz, thank God for him because, you know, uh, other than what, you know, Sean Kaiser showing so far, that's a place where quarterbacks go to die. So I'm sure that Carson <laughs> Wentz is ecstatic that he's in Philadelphia and the Browns moved out of that pick. But I don't think that they were ready at that point to, uh, to you know, make a franchise quarterback play. And, and, you know, a lot of people thought that Carson Wentz, because of where he played, maybe he wasn't ready for the NFL. But I think he's shown far and above that, man, this is a kid's uh, a very smart football guy. He loves – I think the biggest thing is because we see so many players now, I think, that don't love the game. They play it. But I really feel like Carson Wentz loves the game, and I think that's awesome. 
That's a great point. Real good point. Rick, Rick, uh, let's let's get your thoughts on on Kansas City and uh, uh, Philadelphia, also Penn State and Georgia State. But how good, how good, how good is Kareem Hunt? Uh, well, he's good enough to make me happy in my other fantasy football league last week because I have him and I played him, and he got me a ton of points. He almost single-handedly won it the whole week for me by himself. <laughs> but uh, I'm just wondering if we're going to get the same performance this week now, now that the, uh, now that the, uh, the word is out uh, about him and how dynamic he is, him and Tyreek Hill. And I'm also with Mo is which Alex Smith we're going to see. You know, the the average quarterback Alex Smith or the – or the air raid guy we saw last week. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how how that plays out. Well, let's get into some more college uh, football games. Uh, we got Wisconsin at BYU at three thirty on ABC. Uh, this looks like a good potential win uh, for uh, Wisconsin on the road. Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, it's kind of one of those trap games that you know that you, these pop up, and you know a, a good team like Wisconsin could probably just play down to their opponent, BYU. Uh, I don't see much of a problem with Wisconsin, even though it's a road game. Uh, I think Wisconsin wins pretty comfortably, but this is a typical trap game. Well, uh, what are your thoughts, uh, Wisconsin and BYU? Well, I mean, BYU has been terrible so far this year, in my opinion. Uh, you know, Wisconsin's one of those teams that they always hang around, uh, you know, the, towards the, the top of the – of the football rankings, they're good. You know, they a lot of times don't have a guy that really stands out. You're like, oh, yeah, that's the star of that team. But they're just consistently good. They have great line play on both sides of the line. You consistently see their guys playing on Sundays. And I think that's a big key for them because you can have a, a, a talented quarterback, but maybe not a superstar quarterback, uh, when he's got time to, to do things with the ball. It's amazing. Same thing with, you know, you see great play out of their running backs a lot of times because their lines are so good and their defensive line continues to be good. Uh, you know, so – I think uh, I think this Wisconsin team is just the, the biggest word for me is consistency. They're always consistently, you know, above average, and and I like that about them. And I think they recruit very well when it comes to line play. They get all those Middle America Hoss guys that play both sides of the line. I think it's great. Well, Mo, let's get your games of the week to put your money on or to stay away from. Uh, bet or no bet, and we'll let you make the decision on that. Is if you're to put your money on a safe bet uh, for college and uh, NFL, who's it going to be this week? Well, my NFL game is a deep cut, as they say in the classic rock uh, radio business. I'm taking the Western Kentucky team uh, and giving seven points against Louisiana Tech. I'm diving deep because there's a lot of just bad games, mismatches this week. Uh, I like uh, the way Western Kentucky's played on offense. They can score some points. Louisiana Tech historically hasn't traveled super well. So I like Western Kentucky in the college game. Uh, in the pro game, I've put money, uh, sadly, against our Colts because that's the one thing when you're betting, you can't bet with your heart. You've got to bet with your head. And I think that, you know, had, had David Johnson played this weekend, that uh, the Arizona would hit the over on their own. Uh, I mean, it, the, the six and a half points seems like way too little. Uh, Indianapolis is terrible. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, hopefully bring a spark, but I just think the Colts overall are a terrible team. So I'm, I'm taking uh, Arizona in that game. And I, uh, the, uh, the odds makers seem to have learned because the uh, spread in the Cleveland game, Cleveland-Baltimore, has gone down to six and a half. Uh, I won uh, Thursday night uh, with uh, picking against the Bengals. But the other one I like is uh, the Oakland Raiders uh, against, with the Jets traveling all the way out west to Oakland. I think that's going to be a bloodbath. So I've taken Oakland and given the points in that one.
Mo, I mean, uh, Ed, let's go to you. What are your games of the week, both NFL and college, and what are the games as an NFL uh, contributor that you would want to pay most attention to this week? Well, I, I first want to bow down to uh, Mo there. I mean, he, I mistakenly credited Rick with uh, calling that spread last week with the Browns getting 10 against the Steelers, and I thought that was, uh, you know, shoo-in for the Steelers to cover that, and of course they didn't. Uh, Cleveland played them tough, so – Listen, I, I'm with Mo, man. Whatever he's picking, I'm I'm on board with. Oh, okay. but, uh, thanks. Thanks. So, are, are, are you saying? I, are, are you, are you like saying that? You, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Are, are you saying, Ed? Are you saying, Ed, that you you have a retraction to to post? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm retracting. I'm retracting right now, Tom. That's what I'm doing. This is this is my concession right here. Um, but yeah, you know, no, I. You notice. You know, you notice Rick didn't say a word when you when you said that earlier. He didn't. He, he didn't. He didn't. He's like, "Hey, I'll take the credit for it." <laughs> right. well, you know, when I said it, I thought, "Wait a minute, I, I don't think that was Rick." As soon as I said it, I'm like, that, "You know what? That, I think that was Mo." Uh, but yeah, that was a good, good call fine. by Mo for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't know what the line is on the game. I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not a, a better, but uh, I like the Green Bay Atlanta game just for the entertainment value. I think Green Bay goes into Atlanta. And finds a way to get that win. They certainly were impressive on defense uh, last week. I know Atlanta's opening its home stadium uh, this week, and that you know that's going to bring some uh, certainly some excitement. But you know sometimes that can work the other way too. And you know maybe they're a little too fired up, and Green Bay goes in and finds a way to ruin the opening of that stadium. I, I like Green Bay in that game and an upset. And then you know I also like um, I, I think Mo said earlier he likes Clemson to find a way to win against Louisville. I you know, I'm on the Lamar Jackson train right now, and I think Louisville finds a way to go in, or uh, actually they're home against this against Clemson. So I think Lamar Jackson finds a way to win this game at home after, you know, they played them pretty tough last year in Clemson for a while uh, before losing. So I, I think uh, I think Louisville finds a way to beat Clemson. They're my two upsets. That would that would you know I, that would be a huge upset, and that's certainly the game that I've got a, a, as the week, guys. And you know we had a lot of technical issues at the beginning of our show, so we have a lot of uh, residue stuff that might be hanging around. So if we have audio issues that are just popping up, I, I'm just working through the show. So just I just want to give anybody advance warning about that. So we may not be doing any uh, uh, balance extras today because of that. All of that needs to get cleared up and, and cleaned up. But uh, we'll start with you, Rick. Ambex. Uh, Breaking rank, top 25 college football game of the week. Well, it, it's definitely a Louisville-Clemson. I'm just looking forward to seeing Kelly Bryant you know, and how he stacks up against Louisville defense and Lamar Jackson, what he can do against the Clemson defense. But also hanging out there today is uh, Tennessee-Florida. And uh, the nine players from Florida are also still suspended. And I think if uh, Jim McElwain, I, I think it's going to be the case, Jim McElwain's going to lose again today. To ten- I think Tennessee wins this game. But Jim McElwain is going to find himself on the hot plate, man, with uh, Brian Kelly, uh, Jim Mora, Kevin Sumlin, you know, these guys in college football right now. So, uh, But that game's hanging out there. It could be good. I think it's a Tennessee win. But, uh, yeah, but uh, Clemson and Louisville is the game of the week this week. Mo, I wanted to I, I wanted to make sure that I got everybody's thoughts on this that was on the air with us today, and I, I talked with uh, Steve from Speedway Digest and Tyson from OnPitRoad.com about this very issue, and and you know I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but I do want to get your thoughts, and uh, I'm sure you've heard uh, Clay Travis's Outkick the coverage. Have you heard his show before? Uh-huh. 
Okay, so we, we can all agree that he's he's certainly very knowledgeable, and he's certainly a, a guy that if you want to have a fight with, he's more than welcome to do that, but on an intelligent way. Now, what, without going into all the details, this all spawned from the ESPN uh, Twitter, from the the uh, ESPN Sports Center co-host, um, the African American uh, female. I'm sorry, her name escapes me. Uh, about what she called Donald. Jamal Hill. She called Donald Trump a racist, which really kind of spawned off a, a lot of different things with Clay Travis and saying, hey, stay in your lane. ESPN, you got to do more for your people. Now, we're seeing another tweet from the same network from somebody else about NASCAR fans are also white supremacists, also tweeted out by an, an African-American. My point being is this. Everybody has their right to, to, to feel the way they, they want. Obviously, I, I have nothing for racism. I, it is totally – I'm not even bringing that into the subject. The point being is there, this has just gotten out of control. We are seeing a blend of a polar opposite of our world in, in politics and sports, which politics and sports should be separated. There should be that refuge, that umbrella, if you will, that we could go and escape this stuff. And when ESPN freely allows this to happen, so I listen to, I listen to him quite regularly, and I'm sure you probably have heard his show before too, but he also, because of his stand on this, got on some network televisions, uh, Fox News and CNN cut his uh, report out. But basically what happened was, you know, people were calling up and calling him racist. And he's like, because he felt like that ESPN should have gone farther on this. And they, 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 then what they did, they suspended one lady just for merely talking about politics. And then they don't do anything but slap the knuckles of, of this other, uh, lady who who went out against trump like trump not like trump that has nothing to do with it the the point being is clay travis is like okay so i i'm going to take nothing but calls of people who think i'm a racist or don't think i'm a racist but that's all we're going to do for the last hour of his show that got a lot of attention he got a lot of calls people saying that he was but his his, his thing was oh so i'm a racist why i voted for obama I'm a racist. Why? I I totally think that the NFL is railroading Ezekiel Elliott. I'm a racist. Why? And so the point being is we should have these discussions. I again, you guys will have to. I'll put it up on social media too. But you guys will have to check out that podcast uh, of Clay Travis's uh, deal. It's not that he was going on a soapbox, but I think he said a lot of things that needed to be said. At what point? At what point is there that line in the sand, and ESPN has crossed that, and they just keep continuing to move the, goal, the goalposts of what's okay and what's not okay? So go ahead, Mo. Wow, that's a lot. So ESPN, uh, to me, has, has really lost their way over the last couple of years. I mean, you know, it, it's so hard to, to talk about this uh, sensibly with most people because they are so emotionally involved one way or the other. If if Scott Van Pelt would have called Obama racist, would he have gotten the same treatment as Jamel Hill? I don't know. 